In just one generation, the internet connected people across the globe. And now, slow news days are a thing of the past. It's a lot to keep track of, but WHIP has you covered with local, national, and international stories. Join us for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. That's right. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. We're Philly's number one college radio station. I'm Tony. In the room with me today are Dan and Irish, the Monday team. Oh, how are y'all? How are y'all doing? How did uh, how the weekend treat you now that we're into a dreary Monday? <laughs> Saturday was Irish's birthday, so that was a thing. Oh, hey. That was quite was. Happy birthday. Thank you. Belated. <laughs> I made a joke earlier uh, that my best part of my weekend was tweeting something funny. So... I forgot that my birthday was Saturday, so that that's what happened. <laughs> uh, I, it's just because I didn't sleep last night. I, that was probably the main problem. Mm-hmm. I understand how that goes. Yeah. So, shockingly, I actually got a decent night of sleep last night. Decent here, meaning like more than six hours. So, feeling sounds ideal. Feeling pretty normal, <laughs> as opposed to. Um, exhausted and unable to function, which is a very, if you've ever been on a college campus, that's, uh, there's a lot of that. <laughs> people, oh, there's just a lot of work. I know. I think we've talked about this on other shows, but how it's the, the idea of having just one job when we get out of here is so alluring. Um, because I know many of the, many of the folks here balance a bunch of jobs while they're in college in addition to classes i know i've got three right now and um yeah feeling it i hate people who like brag about like getting like eight hours like and i hate them because they they have their life (laughs) together and i want that like i hate it out of jealousy like that's i'm like yes you have your life together you're so good at time management why aren't i this good (laughs) time management is part of it i know at least for me when i have a really long day like if i finish work at 11 p.m which is fairly standard i like my brain needs at least an hour and a half two hours of not doing work before it's like before there's even a chance that sleep will happen yeah so like i know like I'm i'm a night person to begin with but um like, yeah, when d- days when I have a lot of work, like I, I can normally stay up until one or two, but like that is guaranteed if I'm working late just because it takes time for it to chill the heck out after a particularly busy day. See, Dan's one of those people who will just be like, eh, this walk doesn't need to get done, I guess. I'll just sleep for 10 hours. <laughs> I could, without a doubt, fall asleep right here if, if it was... What's the word? <laughs> excusable. If it were excusable. If we weren't. I could, <laughs> if my microphone wasn't on, I could easily put my feet up and just. Yeah, I know that feeling. Ugh. Well, <laughs> it's it's a Monday, so I'm sure this is uh, I'm sure this is felt by many of our listeners. So for those of you who are listening and are like, wow, me too. Hang in there. It's Monday. Before you know it, it'll be a different day, like Thursday, or maybe if you're lucky, Friday. <laughs> if you're really lucky, Saturday. 
however however days work um but i guess i guess i guess we can't keep stalling no. we got to get to the <laughs> we got to get to the the meat and bones of this here um not the meat and bones jeez the meat and potatoes goodness <laughs> we've been messing up my phrases um i got to get to the the content of this we're spoiler alert we're going to talk about um the president a lot probably for this first talk break likely into the second um, the reasoning for this is that there he sat down for an interview um, on CBS's 60 Minutes, and it was a very candid one. I know I actually didn't see the um, the initial interview at the time. This weekend in particular, I was very busy. Um, so when I heard about this, I was honestly hopeful. I was hopeful that he would address... Um, there, there have been a lot of growing problems. I know a lot of people have problems with the president, but there have been a few in particular that I personally have been really concerned about recently, um, largely with some of his some of his conduct during the confirmation of um, Kavanaugh. There was a point where he, I, I don't know how to describe it besides just openly mocked um, Dr. Blasey Ford during one of his um, rallies that got condemnations from pretty much everyone politically. He got kind of called out on it across the aisle. I thought it would have been nice to hear him maybe apologize or give his reasoning for that. I was hoping to hear him talk a bit about things like climate change in the in the face of last week's uh, massive, massive meta-analysis and, and study published by, um, or well, brought to light by the uh, the UN which gave some very dire warnings about our future. I was hoping to hear him talk a bit about some of the disagreements he's had with um, Mattis and our Secretary of Defense um, about things like climate change and about our role with our allies and stuff like that. He And he did talk about a lot of these things. I'm sad to say that this interview is probably one of the single most tone-deaf moments I've seen in his presidency. Um, he doubled down on a lot of these these things that we've been kind of having problems with him with. And, uh, well, we're going to talk about it. I wish I had better news. <laughs> so, all right, where where do we even begin? We can talk about, uh, we can start by talking about some of the, I don't know. What do you What do you think? Should we start with Mattis? Should we start with climate science? There's it's, it's climate. All right, it's, we could do that. That kind of has to do um, with with Mattis a bit. But in talking about climate change, um, he is still going against the grain with what climate scientists are are saying. To quote him in the interview, he said, "I think something's happening. Something's changing." And it'll change back again, which we have zero evidence will happen. Um, he also went on to say that he doesn't know that it's man-made. He said, I'm, I'm not denying climate change, but it could very well go back. You know, we're talking about over millions of years. Um, God, like I don't even know where to begin with this. So we do know that it's man-made. And, and this speaks to... The second part of that, he says, you know, we're talking about over millions of years. Yes, natural climate change. 
Um, the kind that lots of folks like to say, oh, we don't know that it's not the natural cycle. The natural cycles do occur over millions of years. The reason why we're so concerned right now is because we're seeing changes that usually take millions of years happen in a couple decades. I don't, I, I, I don't know how this can be made more clear to our politicians. I don't know how it can be made more clear to people. But this, there can be questions about what we might do moving forward. There can be questions as to how much time we have in the scale of decades. But we know that this is happening. Like, I know I, I heard you saying it earlier. It's one of those things that even if there was a 10% chance that this was happening, this is something we should jump on. And it's not a 10% chance. This is something that we know this is going to happen if we do not do something about it. You need to specify, like, we, we know this is man-made. The whole reason why the alarm is being risen, is being uh, sounded right now, is because the changes that we've seen, there's only really one other circumstance in which we see changes like this over the course of, like, a century or a couple decades, and that is when a Yellowstone tier volcano erupts. There's really only two things that can do it. I, like, something has to pump a lot of gas that's not normally there into the atmosphere. And the only other natural process that really does that is a volcano. Or a meteor. Or, or a meteor. Yeah, a meteor <laughs> could do it too. Or seven billion people. And we've been keeping track of that last one for more than a century now. And we are, I, I, I want to say all but certain, but I, I'm not going to miss my words. We're certain that it's us at this point. There's always that little teeny tiny chance with science that it could not be. But in this scenario, we are effectively certain that that's what's causing it. And on the topic of like, if there were even a 10% chance that this were true, because the forecast that the UN came up with was a conservative one, and it says that we are looking at society disrupting climate change in 20 years, and by the end of the century, we could have the type that could collapse our society. If there were even a 10% chance, like, I like to imagine what our response would be if this were a meteor, right? If it were a meteor, and if scientists were saying, hey, you know, we've been tracking the trajectory of this meteor, and there's a 10% chance it's going to hit the Earth in 20 years, um, we should do something about that. People would be pulling out all the stops over a 10% chance. If it were a 100% chance, which is what this report is essentially saying, they're saying if we do things as we're doing them now, our society won't survive this unless we hail Mary it right at the end. If it were a meteor, like there, there would be panic in the streets, and and we're sitting here, and our president still doesn't believe that it's man-made. I'm not, I'm like, I'm I'm just baffled. He's going to be dead before we start to see many of these effects, the ones that we're not seeing yet. Like, I think to make matters worse, too, at, at one point. Uh, the person interviewing him, Leslie Stahl, kind of said, like, you know, I wish uh, you would go to, like, Greenland so you can see these ice caps falling and you can see that sea levels are rising. And Trump essentially said, uh, we have scientists that would disagree with that. Yeah, and yeah, You can all, we can find scientists who say the world is flat. Yeah. I'm being completely serious with you. I've read papers. People do it as, like, a, as like a fun way to kind of see how you can shift data to create these sorts of theories. The overwhelming scientific consensus right now is that this is happening. And that it's happening. Like, God, again, like, we're seeing effects 
that we have records, you know, and, and ice cores and stuff like that. These sorts of things are supposed to happen over the course of millions of years, and we're seeing these effects over the course of decades. And what do you think of his other argument that uh, he's heard that we have we have had hurricanes worse than Michael? Um, yes, over the course of 100 years, we've had a few that have been worse. Michael is also one of the worst. It's In fact, I, I checked, it's in the top four. Um, most of those, I believe, uh, I don't want to mince my words here, many of the worst storms you've seen have been in the past couple decades. I'm going to be completely real with you here. And the fact that we've had a Michael tier storm, a Harvey tier storm, an Irma tier storm, I mean, geez, the past two years, we got like two Katrina size hurricanes, like both years. Like we can't, ah, uh, like this just, this just kills me. I, I, I feel bad that I'm missing my words here, but it's just, I'm, I'm baffled by this. I'm genuinely baffled because even if there were a sliver of concern, we should be pulling out all the stops right now or at the very least arguing over what to do moving forward, not arguing over whether or not it's happening. Something else he said, too, was that the, these scientists are coming up coming up with this data because of a political agenda. That, it's recorded data. Like, it's measured. You can measure the ice cores. We know CO2 levels are going up. We know the temperature's going up. We know that the CO2 increase precedes the temperatures. We know that that can lead to chain reactions that cause even more CO2 to be released, many of which have already begun. There's a lot of evidence that, that suggests that even if we stopped right now, it wouldn't be enough because those reactions are already in place. Um, there's a lot of CO2 trapped under ice that's melting. Once it once it goes, it's, it's even harder to stop. And this just kills me because people like this aren't going to live to see it. And here I am. I know I've, I've joked about this in the past on this show. I'm not joking anymore. I'm not having kids over this. I'm not going to do it because this... This is happening on a fast enough time scale that if I can't escape, I'm trying to move out of this country, to be completely honest. I want to go north if I can. If we don't fix this, I can tell you the kinds of conflicts that are probably going to kill people like us and when they're going to happen. Our society is not ready for the kind of, the kinds of migrant crises, the kinds of food shortages and droughts and global wildfires and the like that we can expect in the next hundred years if we don't do something about this and we're busy with the people in charge, our president, this isn't like some Republican from Alabama or some Democrat from California. This is the president of the United States and we're still, we're still not sure it's man-made. Maybe, maybe it'll change back again, even though the overwhelming majority of the, of the scientific community is saying that, we, that it won't. And that if we don't change things massively in the next 20 years, our fate is sealed. If there were even a 10% chance this was true, the path forward would be clear. Um, and it <laughs> it's much more than a 10% chance. It it baffles me. So we're sorry for yelling so much. It's just <laughs> we're, I'm talking about the thing that's likely going to kill me. And if I have kids, it would be likely to kill them, to be completely honest. Unless, again unless we do something amazing in the next 20 years, but we're still arguing over whether or not it's happening. It's it's terrifying. It's terrifying and it's disappointing. It's shameful. We used to be the, like, we're the country that put someone on the moon and we're not stepping up to the plate with this. So we're going to talk about, he made a lot of statements where he kind of doubled down on things like this. We're going to talk about more of them on the other side of this break. So please do keep it locked. Got a news update for y'all. 
And then, after the news update, a little bit of music. Y'all listening to Rational Radio on WHIP. We're Philly's number one college radio station. We'll be back. From WHIP News, I'm Amarinth Rook. Today is Monday, October 15th, and this is your WHIP News Update. A lawsuit against Harvard University goes to trial in the Supreme Court today, brought by Asian American students who failed to gain admission. The lawsuit is led by Edward Bloom, a conservative activist with the goal of reversing affirmative action policies that traditionally benefit African American and Latino students by considering the race of students for campus diversity, according to CNN. With two new appointees to the Supreme Court, Justices Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, the landmark ruling of 1978, which upheld admission policies that consider race, might be reversed. President Trump has said that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will be leaving today to meet with Saudi King Salman regarding the missing journalist Jamal Khashoggi, who visited the Saudi consulate on October 2nd to obtain papers related to his upcoming wedding and was never seen leaving. President Trump spoke with the Saudi king today, who denied any involvement in the disappearance of Khashoggi. According to the Washington Post, Turkish officials said that Saudi Arabia has agreed to allow Turkish investigators to search the Saudi consulate in Istanbul today. The Turkish government has also said that they possess audio and video evidence that suggests a team of agents was dispatched to Istanbul to either capture Khashoggi or kill him, and that he was interrogated, tortured, and murdered inside the consulate. Trump has warned that Saudi Arabia would face severe punishment if it was found to have killed Khashoggi. From WHIP News, I'm Amaranth Rook, and this has been your WHIP News Update. Welcome back to Rational Radio on WHIP. We're Philly's number one college radio station. And, well, this is the show where we talk about current events around the country, specifically political and newsy ones, and also at times around the world. But today we are talking about a an interview that the president gave on 60 Minutes where um, he addressed a lot of controversial topics recently um, at the beginning of the show, I had mentioned that when I heard about this, I was hoping that he would kind of clarify some things and hopefully tone down some some rhetoric of his, uh, but he hasn't, and we're talking about that. So before the break, we were talking about climate change, and it's he he doesn't I should clarify he doesn't deny it completely anymore, um, but he doesn't know that it's man made and thinks that this is something that happens over millions of years and that it's something that is changing but will change back again, which none of the, um, I shouldn't say none, none of the respected climate science suggests that. There is some variation on how much time we have, how bad the effects will be, but none of it's good. Um, I don't really know what else to say besides that, besides the fact that if you are, I want to say, 50 years old or less, it's likely that the later portions of your life are going to be characterized by how we deal with this. Um, and if we continue to deal with it the way that we are right now, it's probably going to be conflict that stems from this that will kill you. Because I don't like making those you know, kind of sensationalist predictions on here, but um, climate issues drive war. They drive conflict. Um, we see that in the Middle East right now and in parts of Africa where there are serious droughts. Um, we see that 
Well, it's it's an ongoing issue and a lot of these conflicts driven by that. And we're expecting to see these effects all over the world in the next 20 years. And that's relevant because one person in our government who has been saying this for a while, actually, is none other than, uh, well, Mattis, General Mattis. The um, general isn't his his first name. It's James. <laughs> um, but James Mattis, he's the Secretary of Defense. Um, he's actually, I think I talked about this when he first got, in fact, I know I talked about this when he first got appointed, but he's like, in my opinion, one of the most solid secretaries of defense we've had in a while, just from his qualification standpoint, dude is like the picture of like someone who did well in the military, you know, speak softly, carry a big stick (laughs) type of dude. But in recent weeks, there's been concern that he, that his position isn't safe because a lot of the things that he said, specifically, he's been someone who said that we need to start taking climate change seriously um, because he believes it to be a driver of instability um, in a lot of these regions that we're dealing with conflict in. Um, He's not so much coming out and saying that it's caused by this or that, but more just saying that it's real, that it's happening this fast, um, and that we, like, this is going to cause problems in the very near future. But he's also said some other things that have gone against statements um, by our president. For example, he's voiced concerns about growing conflict due to, well, not conflict, but um, the growing global influence of threats to our democracy, like China and Russia, and has voiced support for a multinational Western alliance. And this is happening at the same time that our president has been really disparaging a lot of our allies, um, talking about how the European Union, um, to quote him, let me see if I can find the quote real here, where he talks about how... uh, I'm just going to paraphrase. He pretty much says that the European Union is a group that is primarily trying to hurt us, especially from like a trade and those kinds of relations area. Um, he hasn't really been voicing a lot of support for for cooperation and stuff like that. So this is they, the point is they've been bashing heads on these issues a bit, and there have been rumors that um, he might that Mattis might not be around that much longer. Asked about those in this um, interview. President Trump responded that he, quote, thinks he, Mattis, is sort of a Democrat, <laughs> if if you want to know the truth, Trump said. He said that he may leave. I mean, at some point, everybody leaves. Everybody. People leave. That's Washington. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the gist of their conversation on that. But it just concerns me that the, the idea is that he, he's sort of a Democrat. The way it's like it's we, we've got this weird kind of tribalist thing going on right now and it's it's seeping into all of our politics i feel and that is it's not just folks on the right that are like oh it's democrats oh there's also a lot of folks on the left who are like oh republic we can't work with them that's not like using these labels to disparage people and just label a whole entire spectrum of political thought in one country as toxic or as the enemy or as the opposition and to kind of criticize people by going like, well, I think he's sort of a Democrat. That's toxic. And it concerns me because Mattis is one of the few people in our administration who is regularly willing to butt heads with him. 
And Mattis is in a very important position with a lot of issues like these. So I guess we'll see how that goes. He didn't talk about that much more. I don't know if any of you have thoughts. I'm, I'm a big I supporter. I think it comes down to essentially that a large majority of this administration has either left or there are rumors that they will be leaving. And it's portrayed as normal when it's really not. And that's kind of how I look at it. And it's like, maybe like this that isn't very right. Like this is not how things should be. And I think it's, it's bad that it's being portrayed as normal. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, the current administration has a very high turnover. I know we've, uh, recently, what we lost the ambassador to the UN. Before that was the economic advisor. Two chief of staffs. Two chief of staffs. Yes. Um, EPA advisor a, a sec- or not? Secretary not of State. Advisor. Didn't they swap Secretary of States at one point as well? I. Who's the current Secretary of State? I think so. Let me let me double check. Because that, that's the thing is that it changes so much. Current Secretary of, of State is. Oh, yeah, no, we had um, Rex Tillerson, and he was dismissed. And now it's Pompeo. And now it's Pompeo. I believe there's been rumors that he would leave as well. Yeah, so, and these are positions, by the way, that are usually like a whole administration. Like eight years, if it makes it that far. If if that's what it calls for, like these are not positions that you want to have a high, you don't want to have like a a Burger King or fast food tier turnover um, in your presidential cabinet. And I would argue that if you do, it's a sign about the leadership of that cabinet. At least that's what I've seen in every job I personally have experience with that has high turnover. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. Another concerning thing. He so he talked about his um, his speech in South Haven, Mississippi, last week. Well, not last week, two two weeks ago, I believe, in which he mocked Ford. Um, Dr. Blasey Ford, who gave testimony regarding allegations of sexual assault against um, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. And in his speech, he essentially impersonated her, impersonated her voice, mocked her. He, and like, I'm not exaggerating here. He kind of talked, talked like this and said, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. And like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating when I say that that's how, how he spoke about, um, how he tried to impersonate her. Um, and it was in talking about some very serious allegations, just not, not professional, very disrespectful. And it drew a lot of criticism from both sides of the aisle, because again, whether or not you uh, believe the allegations, when you're talking about something this serious with a position, a nomination as serious as Supreme court justice, like you can't, you can't be conducting yourself like that. And a lot of folks agreed um, I even recall talking to a lot of ardent supporters of his who were like, no, that, that was kind of disgusting. Like, he should really just keep his mouth shut. Well, he's had the chance to give us his opinion on that. And <laughs> he said, and I quote, if I had not made that speech, we would not have won. And when he was pressed on it more, he said that he claimed that he was just saying that she didn't seem to know anything, which if he wanted to say that, he could have just said that. And when he was pressed on it even more, he said that he's not going to get into it. Quote, because we won, it doesn't matter. We won. I've had a growing suspicion recently. And again, this is something that I see on both sides of the aisle, but I'm more concerned about it here 
Because again, this isn't some Republican from Alabama or Georgia. This isn't some senator. This isn't some Democrat from California. Or like, this isn't a, a small piece of our government. This is the head of our executive, the force that does things. Like, if if your goal is just to win, you know, damn the deco, damn the the decorum, you know, screw the standards. Forget the perfect. Like, your goal is just to win. Like, if you. How are our politics, how is our polarization, how is the toxic environment that we have right now going to get better if you do something like that, and then when asked about it, you double down on it and you say, it doesn't matter, we won. And he also said, like, essentially, oh, no, like, I didn't make fun of her. She was uh, treated with great respect. Well. That's, that's objectively wrong. Like, it's, when you sit there and mock someone and talk about them like this. Like, that... I mean, okay, like, I, I I guess there are probably some really backwards ways you could argue, like, that's the way he was speaking. Maybe he had the bubble in his throat. I... Like, those are the... Like, what's what's the excuse? I really... I really don't know. And again, it's one of those things, like, if you... If this is how we're going to be, it invites other politicians. It invites this kind of crap into our political dialogue more than it already is. If our president is doing it, then why can't anybody? It gets... Oh, here, go ahead. Yeah. That's what Liz, uh, Leslie actually doubled down on him. He was like, how can you say you didn't make fun of him? How can you say... Uh, oh, my bad. How can you say she was treated with respect if you were literally making people laugh and you were embracing that you were making people laugh? The people in the audience were laughing as he said this and he was, like, soaking it up. Like, he had a smile on his face. Yeah, like, he, you wanted people to laugh. And it's... When you were doing that, you know what you were doing. And it's just... Like you said, like, I guess if you want to kind of make a reach, I, I would call it a reach. You can make some excuses. It's just, like I said, it, it would be a reach. You can't do something, get laughs, appreciate those laughs, and still say you're treating her with great respect at the end of the day. Yeah, like you can't. And that that brings me to my next point. And this is probably the single most concerning thing in in my opinion about what we've got um going on with this with this current presidency and that's that he he lies a lot and not just so i i have to specify because a lot of politicians lie especially depending on how you look at it um that's a that's a great thing politician well it's not a great thing but like it's a it's a common thing politicians will be very careful with their words so that they say things that are true in some contexts but Given different contexts, they might not be. Or they could be half-truths, if you want to call them. They're they're lies, I I think you could argue. Or at the very least, they're not full truths. Or they're truths that are open to interpretation. Our politics are full of that. And I see a lot of that on the left. I see a lot of it on the right. And, you know, if our president were just telling lots of lies like those, and and he does, I would be like, well, this is gross, but it's fairly part of the course. But... The lies that he tells in these scenarios are bold-faced. There's no, like, again, if you if you mean to tell me that that was treating someone with respect, I'm not sure, like, I struggle to think of a way to frame that <laughs> it, in a way where that can be true. And oh, we don't have time to get into the next one, so I'm going to talk about another scenario recently where where he lied to us 
when the FBI investigation was reopened, an, an additional background check into Blasey Ford's, it's actually very relevant, um, allegations and into the allegations of some others. He said in a statement on Twitter, and those are official presidential statements, it's, that's, that's the law, um, he said that there were no restrictions on that investigation and that they could investigate whoever they wanted. But we later found out that there were restrictions and after that statement, they were not lifted. And that, like, that was a lie. That was a bold-faced lie about something that was really relevant to the American public. The FBI was not allowed to investigate whoever they pleased. They investigated very few people. They didn't even, uh, so it, I should say investigate, interview whoever they pleased. And my concern is that this wasn't uh, a half-truth. This was just a lie. And if we start being cool with this, like, I, I feel like it would be hard to get away with uh, with a handful of those over a whole presidency. And again, I'm not talking about the half-truths owing to interpretation, like just bold-faced, we're not doing this even though actually we are. Um, but that's not the only one. We have to go to our break on the other side of this. The reason why this whole lying thing is um, growing especially concerning to me is because he did it again with a statement involving Elizabeth Warren recently where he claims he did not say something that he's on video saying. So we're going to talk about that on the other end of this break, and I want to talk about what this what this means. I, I really don't like having an episode where we just kind of bash the president the whole time because I feel like college news media has enough of that crap. But given this performance... I don't see any other way to approach this. So, thank you all for listening. We'll, we'll be back after these uh, brief messages. You're listening to Rational Radio on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Welcome back to Rational Radio on WHIP, we're Philly's number one college radio station. And as I said before we went on the break, today we're talking a lot of, a lot of President Trump, and it's almost none positive so i apologize for that but it's because he had a long interview on um on 60 minutes and he doubled down on a lot of the more incendiary things he's done recently that people like me were hoping he wasn't going to people that are still trying to give him some benefits of some doubts i i don't know it's been it's been a disappointing a disappointing uh it was a disappointing interview on on his point so just to recap super quick what we talked about um we talked about how we kind of doubled down on his mockery of um dr blasey ford that he did at one of his rallies where he just overtly made fun of her and imitated her um he doubled down saying that he that if he hadn't made that speech they would not have won i assume referring to the successful nomination of brett kavanaugh um he went on to say that he didn't want to get into it because they won and that it doesn't matter because they won, which we just kind of in a roundabout way got around to saying that that kind of attitude is everything that is wrong with our politics right now. And that as the president of the United States, you're setting a really bad example for a political landscape that is already toxic as hell. Um, we also talked about how he thinks Mattis, is, uh, General geez, Secretary of Defense, General Mattis um, is, quote, sort of a Democrat and that he may be, he may leave, but 
Trump says that, you know, everybody leaves. That everybody leave. hurts. That's that's just Washington. Apparently a very high turnover rate. Um, also talked about how he still isn't sure that climate change is man-made and how it has changed, but he thinks it'll change back. And that these things happen on scales of millions of years, even though the whole reason why this is a problem, and we know this from extensive scientific research over the course of about 150 years now, some of the first research into this stuff came in the late 1800s, um, we know that the climate is changing over the course of decades, which is absolutely not normal, and we know that it's carbon. Um, we know that the ice is melting, we know that the temperature is going up, and the only thing that can account for it as of now is uh, humans, because there hasn't been a volcanic eruption or a meteor to account for it in, in any other way. So that's just a, a brief recap. Again, it's been a lot of negative coverage, but it's because he doubled down on a lot of his more controversial stances. So I don't really know what to say. Right before the break, though, we were talking about how we were concerned about his, well, bold-faced lies, uh, things he said recently that have not even really been half-truths. Uh, the most recent example that we mentioned was with um, the final FBI background check into Blase Ford making a statement that there were no restrictions when there were, in fact, many restrictions. Um, and he never rescinded that statement. That was, to the, to the best of my knowledge, let me know if this has changed, a lie. And even if he did take it back, he would have just lied to us and taken it back after, after they won, which, again, we just heard from him. He's willing to do, he's willing to stoop to some pretty low levels as long as they win. So the last bit of Trump news we're going to talk about today relates to another bold-faced lie. Uh, specifically, earlier this year, he and others criticized uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren for claiming Native American ancestry on her mother's side. Um, now, Warren has outlined how she hasn't used that in college applications, job applications, things like that. It's really been a story that she tells in campaigning and among friends and things like that, um, which you can argue whether or not she should be using that in her campaign, stuff like that. Um, that's kind of up to you to decide. I don't really feel too strongly either way. Uh, but the president, on video at one of his rallies in July called her Pocahontas, disparagingly. Done that several times. Several times. Um, and he went on to say that he would donate $1 million to a charity um, of Miss Warren's choice if she submitted to a DNA test to prove her ancestry. Well, a lot of people, myself included, thought that was kind of silly, just because we, we had a brief period in our political history where people were... were trying to test their ancestry for political reasons, and it wasn't a very pretty one. And I just, you know, the call for that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but whatever. I didn't think she was going to do it, but she did, actually. And she found that there is strong evidence of Native American ancestry six or seven generations ago. There's about a 1 in 1,000 chance for error based on the methods used. Um, but, yeah. She has Native American ancestry. Not that it should matter. Um, although I guess if she's if she's making those claims at her campaign, like in her campaigns and stuff like that, like it does. But again, this whole thing was kind of blown out of proportion by the president, I felt. But in any case, she did it. And 
the president's response when asked about his pledge to donate a million dollars to a charity of her choice if she submitted a test and proved her ancestry, it wasn't that he disagreed with the test, which I wouldn't have been happy with, but that would have been an acceptable answer. It wasn't some technicality on it. He said, who cares? Twice, actually. He said, who cares, comma, who cares? But then he said, I didn't say that. <laughs> you better read it again. Well, first of all, it's not an article that says you said that, Mr. President. Um, you said you said that when you said it on camera at one of your rallies. And I, I, again, like I really hate having a show where we just bash on him the whole time, but that's a bold-faced lie. That's not a half-truth. There's no context that makes that not true. Like, oh, well, people interpreted him as saying that, but he didn't actually say it. Like, he's on camera saying it. It's... And so when you come out and say that you didn't say it, that's a lie. That's not a partial truth. That's not something you can... Like, that's a lie. It's bold-faced. And as I've said, this is now the third time on this show, you're not some... You're, you're not some representative from some district in Alabama or Texas or California or any one of those places that's known for being quite partisan right now. You're not some local politician. Not that that should matter, but let's be real. Our political standards are really low right now in this country. Go Beto. Right, you mentioned Texas. <laughs> political races. Yeah, like it's, it's nuts. And it's unfortunate because a lot of folks on both sides are really kind of going for like I've seen the memes on Facebook, and they're they are shallow, and people don't defend their points very well. You're you know you're not you're not some dude popping off on Facebook and then being like, oh no, I didn't say that. You're the president, and you said that at one of your rallies. You can't do that. Well, I I, I guess you can because no one's stopping you. But if that's our new standard, I'm really concerned for this country's future. I mean, I, I don't know. Am I being too harsh here? No, it's one of those things where, especially uh, this semester, I've really been trying to push that we don't need to be talking about every little thing Trump does argument. This isn't a little thing. This just adds to the evidence that not only does he lie, he seemingly lies for no reason. It, I'm sure there's a reason behind it. I'm sure... It, Whatever was going on in his head, maybe he doesn't remember saying it. I don't know. He's lying for a reason, but it's a lie. And it's, we can't continue to accept this. Somebody has to start showing him the proof that he's lying. And again, it's, and they're not like, like a lot of the lies, like lying is really common, unfortunately, in our politics, but it's because a lot of times people leave out important context. They say things that are true in some scenarios. And not true in others. And that's still being deceitful. But again, it's it's at least grounded somewhere in reality. Whereas when you say, oh, this FBI investigation has no restrictions. They can interview whoever they please. Or when you say, I didn't say that. When you very clearly did. That's not, like again, like that's that's just bold-faced lying. He could have even come out and said, you know, like I, like I'm, like I was, he could have even come out and said I was joking. Like, that would be an example. It seemed like he was serious when he said that. But, again, like, that can be argued. There's context. You'd be like, well, that whole entire, like, my rallies aren't that serious. I was riling people up. It was a joke. 
course I'm not going to donate to her charity. I, I can't stand her. He could have said that. That wouldn't have been very professional, and that would have just illustrated some of the worst things I'm coming to think about this man. But you know what? That wouldn't be a bold-faced lie. Um, but what he did do was a bold-faced lie. And as we continue to see more of these, oh, like, again, he, he's the president. It's one of those things where I'm a very a big advocate for not misdiagnosing people. It's just, I'm starting to really worry that there's something, because someone has to have shown him proof that I he's lying. I don't think it matters. You think like, he's lying intentionally? I don't know, but I think that whether it's intentional or not, he doesn't care. And I'm, be, I'm being fair. very gentle, because, again, like, God, he, he was open with us about his comments regarding Ford. He... Like, he made them, and he doesn't think they matter because he won. So, is like, I don't know. Is this a similar situation where as long as it keeps his message going forward, it'll just lie? I don't know. I don't think it matters to him what the reason for it is. I think he's just saying what he's going to say. Uh, Problem so, is... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, th- I think it's, like, maybe maybe it's the s- uh, slim ch- uh, idea of hope in me that I, I just, I want a reason. I mean, part... Part of this could be on, I don't want to say on us, but like on us as a society, our politicians really do love to run with those half-truths. So maybe the, the the whole idea that politicians lie has just gotten so ingrained that at this point he's like, you know what, yeah, I can just tell bold-faced lies and it doesn't matter. I mean, there's that. There's a society of like clickbait where we just read headlines and we take that as like truth. Mm-hmm. Like that's a whole article. It's that's what it is and that we don't look farther into it. So maybe he, maybe that's what he's going for. Like, uh, I don't know. I, and that's what I want. I think that's what's bothering me most is I want a reason. And the he doesn't care reason doesn't, because he's the president. The, yeah. Well, the he doesn't care reason doesn't satisfy that. And I, I think it that you're right. I think it's I, the he doesn't care reason. It's not just that he doesn't care. It's that, again, like if, it, if we're at a point in our politics, and this is why I'm so concerned for the future of this country, he knows that he can just say anything, and a large portion of his base is just gonna is just gonna listen to it, because again, like I know that the left, the left is pretty toxic right now. I would argue it's no more or less. I shouldn't even say no more or less. I would argue it's in the same ballpark, in some metrics, as the right. And I don't even like char- characterizing it as two sides to a coin in this country. It's much more complex than that, and it's only some very loud voices that have put us in that position. On surface level, though. On, on a surface level, but like. If, yeah, people are so afraid of the other side that they're willing to take just about anything he says at face value, and any voices that are dissent, any voices that say, no, wait, that wasn't true, well, that's just the left and they're lying. Fake news. Or, even worse still, if the president is lying, well, the left lies too, and so that's okay. Although, again, my point is the president is the president. He is our chief executive. He is the singular head of the arm of our government that enforces things that makes things happen and if he if even he is willing to make bold-faced lies like that and if he's not held accountable for them the political cancer that our country has right now whatever you want to call it the the polarization and the way in which we're no longer holding each other accountable man it's made it all the way to the top folks and I'm sitting here as someone like y'all. I feel bad because we've we've done a lot of talk shows together, um, 
Dan, Irish, and I have been doing this since freshman year. Y'all didn't get to know me before freshman year. I'm actually a fairly conservative dude. Not in the modern sense. Like, my conservatism hasn't changed. Mm. I'm still very much free market. There are still a lot of things that, quote-unquote, liberals in this country support that I am lukewarm with at best. But my God, stuff like this, like, I don't even get time to go into it because the president's lying to everybody. Like, it... It's turning uh. into something, essentially what we've been talking about uh, a lot of, a lot uh, right now. It's that a lot of people, I'm trying to think of how to word this, the left is toxic and the right is toxic. Like, But I know who has the keys right now. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, that's the problem. It's like I don't want to bash all Republicans because maybe I don't fall in the Republican Party. And I don't want to bash all Democrats because maybe I don't fall in the Repu- uh, Democrat Party. But the person who is running this country labels himself as a Republican. Anything. He is the one right now who is in a position to fix this. Yes. It's the job of the president to be the person who bridges that divide. Exactly. It's on them to, like, to make these things, to be the example for the rest of this country. Well, that's what I was thinking. While we can't exactly expect them to be completely neutral, we need to kind of expect them to get there, which is why voting tomorrow is so important. Yeah. And to quote him on his response to how he conducted himself talking about Dr. Blasey Ford, his position seems really clear to me, and I'm going to end it on this. He thinks that it doesn't matter because we won. And if that doesn't scare you, imagine the group that you don't like working with this precedent. It doesn't matter as long as we win. And think of what they could do with that. Because four years, eight years, this stuff, this stuff, uh, you know... We've got a pendulum. I'm scared about where it's going to be in a couple years if we make it through this one. Anyway, that's all the time we've got. Y'all are listening to Rational Radio on WHIP. We're Philly's number one college radio station. Here's some music to get you through the rest of this cloudy Monday. Have a good one, y'all.